Hello there, and welcome to the Imagineers podcast, which peels back the gold way green and looks at the inner makings of the magic that is Imagineering. I'm your usual host, Jamie, and of course I'm joined by my co-host, Paul. How's it going, Paul? Good, good. Uh, looking forward to this one. Not going to spoil anything, but I, I think this is going to be a good one, uh, from my, my side of things, anyway. <laughs> it is going to be a, an amazing episode today, probably one of the... Um, the best shows I've ever seen um, produced in any theme park, never mind just Disney. Um, today we're going to be joining Mickey Mouse into a journey beyond your wildest imagination as he conjures up an array of spectacular excerpts from Disney classics. But beware, nothing is more powerful than the imagination. Your deepest fears can make your ma- most magical dream become your worst nightmare. Today we dive into Disney's Phantasmic. So, do you want to give us a bit of background on, on your history with Fantasmic Park before we dive in there? Yeah, um, so my first park that I ever visited was uh, Hollywood Studios. Um, not that long ago, it's only 12 years ago, um, but I was there, we did uh, the Christmas lights, uh, the Osborne Christmas lights, uh, and Fantasmic was really my first proper dive into what I call Disney magic mm. uh, walking into, into that that auditorium and, and seeing this show that's where you felt the difference, I'd been to Universal in Hollywood before this and the closest thing I'd kind of seen was Waterworld but, mm. um, but seeing Fantasmic was something completely different in my opinion and just showed the difference between, between the two companies at that point yeah, and I think it even come. I think it even strives to be the um, the pinnacle of what Disney can produce. Um, yeah, and it's kept it's held its own over the years. I know it's had a few tweaks over the years, but it's held its own over the years for the amount of time it's been out there. Yeah. Um, so to date, there's been three variations of the Fantasmic Show stage at Disneyland in Anaheim, California, which is the original Disneyland, Hollywood Studios in Florida. And finally, Tokyo Disney Sea. Did I say Disneyland in California? No. But these are these. The first two are still operating today. But in July 2020, the Oriental Land Company, who owns the Disney Sea Tokyo Resort, announced that Fantasmic will be replaced by an all new all new nighttime spectacular in honor of Tokyo Disney Sea's 20th anniversary celebration, called Believe Sea of Dreams. So, kind of before we look at the we're going, we're going to mainly stay in California and 
Florida in the US. But I know that you've been having a look at the, the Tokyo version and kind of having a look at how that was. Um, yeah. Want to kind of give that a brief run over now before we yeah, go on? Yeah, so, so um, Tokyo in its way still followed the same same pattern. Um, a lot of the, the sections were the same and I'll, I'll go into a little bit more as we go on and I can kind of talk a little bit about the differences as well uh, in those scenes. But yeah, Tokyo was based around the lake that's in Tokyo Sea. It's smack bang in the middle of the park, so the whole park goes around it. So it was in the round as such for the show. Um, it was different in the fact that Mickey actually it's not on like a, a man-made or on a on a real mountain as such as it is in the the other two parks. It's um, he's out in the middle of the lake on uh, on a mountain, but it's kind of a it looks a bit like a cone, like a giant <laughs> traffic cone. Um, and he's standing atop of it and there's screens all the way around the mountain which is very different so a lot of the action takes place on the mountain in terms of rather than the the, the mist um, effects that we're, we're going to talk about as we talk about Disneyland and, and Hollywood Studios um, and then yeah there's there's most multiple boats floating around like we have in, in our shows but they're, they're used they, they are permanently stationed in the lake um, with the characters appearing and disappearing um, in between sections of the show. Um, so yeah, there's no real um, missed effects or anything like that. Um, you have some other characters dipping in and out. One that we won't touch on because he's not in um, the show at all in the in the two we're going to talk about. Stitch is thrown in there. Oh really? Um, and Angel. So Stitch appears on the top of the mountain at oh. one stage. Uh, and Angel's going around on a speedboat that looks like Stitch's <laughs> rocket ship. That's brilliant. Um, that shoots around. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is the same. It's just the, the way it's done. And, and the soundtrack is very different. Um, while it uses a lot of the, the same lyrics and stuff, um, it's, it's recorded completely differently. Um, so the, the song that plays throughout our versions um, is in there. It's interspersed in there, but in, in different ways. Um, yeah, and it is yeah. um, pretty much that song is in English, um, despite the fact that it's in Japan. But a lot of the the other songs um, from the films are all translated into into Japanese. Yeah, I'd say much similar to what they did with Disneyland Paris, where they, you know, a lot of it's in English, but they kind of translate some of it to to French, and yeah. you know, uh, we all learn some great French whilst we're over there. Yeah. Uh, so go over there if you want to learn some 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 good Japanese uh, through the form of Disney music. Um, so Fantasmic originated in Disneyland in 1992 uh, after Walt Disney Creative Entertainment was asked to create a nighttime spectacle involving water and fireworks to reinvigorate the space in front of the Rivers of America, which kind of goes around uh, Tom Sawyer Island in kind of the Adventureland. So that would be. If you're more familiar with Disneyland Paris, um, that would be kind of where the Big Thunder Mountain is. Um, Disneyland, uh, Walt Disney World. I think Walt Disney World. No, it doesn't have a Tom Sawyer Island, does it? But it still no, it does has... have a Rivers of America, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got. I'm sure it's got something else. It's not Tom Sawyer. I'm sure it's called something else. But there's a, there's an island. So yeah. if, if you're trying to picture it, there's still an island there. So if you imagine uh, in in in. California, the, the 
show takes place on this on this island in the middle of the rivers of America. The area of Tomsar Island was reworked, including terracing the walkways to accommodate viewing and modifying part modifying part of Tomsar Island to allow the show's stage live live action segments. The producers employed the resource of Walt Disney feature animation and Walt Disney Imagineering. The original Disneyland, so we're still in California here, soft, op- soft opening and press premiere was scheduled to begin Wednesday, April 29th, 1992, and continue through the weekend. Now, unfortunately, at this time, there was mass rioting in Los Angeles following the beating of Rodney King. Um, <laughs> And in a horrible twist of fate, like Disney always seems to find ourselves in, they had released promotional materials that says, be there when the night ignites. Isn't what you want to hear, see on billboards in the center of Los Angeles when cars are getting satellites and police are getting... Uh, so that was quickly pulled from public circulation. Classical yeah. Disney mix-up. Yeah. So one thing I was going to mention here that originally it actually wasn't called Phantasmic. Uh, it was originally called Imagination. Oh really? Um, and it was even advertised as that when they first started advertising it around Tom Sawyer Island. Um, and they actually realised they couldn't uh, copyright it. <laughs> um, so they um, they quickly realised that they wouldn't be able to sell, or they would be able to sell. Um, merchandise but anybody else would be able to sell merchandise with it on um so they quickly scrambled to change the name and it became phantasmic i'd love to know where the where the where the name of phantasmic came from but that's a really interesting tidbit yeah. it's like typical disney wants to triumph just steamrolls or anything they do you know yeah if you can't have it nobody can have it no. <laughs> and I, I i did remember um hearing about it because I'm going to say it now. This is, as you said, one of the best shows at Disney. It's it's one of my favourites, um, and I could, I would quite happily go to Hollywood Studios if this was the only thing left. I would go just to see this, um, and I do remember hearing about them having to postpone the launch because of the riots. Um, I spent quite a bit of time in LA, so uh, Los Angeles history is kind of something that grabs my attention anyway so as soon as I found that out I, I dived into doing some research on it and then you did a little sidetrack and ended up looking into the, the, the famous LA riots was it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it was a quite turbulent time in the city that was um so yeah probably probably better having the catchphrase um be there when the night ignites uh, not plastered around it especially from a company mm. like Disney so yeah you, definitely are known to try and skirt uh, any controversy wherever they can, yeah. uh, like the song of the South. Uh, Imagineers realised the success of Fantasmic in California, so decided to bring the show to Walt Disney World in Florida. Imagineers constructed the Hollywood Hills Amphitheatre located off of Sunset Boulevard, which we spoke about last time, um, which had the Tower of Terror. Um, and this amphitheatre is actually located between the Tower of Terror and the Beauty and the Beast stage show. I'm not sure if the Beauty and the Beast stage store is actually still there. It might just uh, be an empty. Still there. They were using it for a while. They did a Pixar orchestra thing uh, okay. about 18 months ago. Um, maybe a little bit more than that, but I'm not sure what what's going on there at the moment. I don't think anything like that's open at the moment because I know Indy's closed as well. They're not really. Um, 
they might yeah, be so... using it as a brake stop at the moment where you can go in and take your mask off to have a breather so that won't make much difference as we record this they have actually removed having to wear masks at Walt Disney World so have they? yeah Florida and just no more social distancing either but then Florida yeah no we won't, we won't go down that rabbit hole because hopefully when if, if someone someone will be listening to this hopefully in a time where this is a distant memory and yeah. we don't need to explain everything but Florida my god so the Fantasmic stage in Florida is significantly large in Disneyland featuring a man-made 50 foot uh, in layman's terms 50 meter high mountain on which Sasha and Mickey stands and from which the dragon emerges should be noted that this is the fourth largest mountain in all the Walt Disney parks. Can you name the other three? Um, Splash, Big Thunder, and Everest. And I believe the Matterhorn is up there oh, uh, yeah, ahead of them. Be, yes. I don't know if the Matterhorn is the tallest, or whether it be Everest. I think it would probably be Everest. Thinking yeah. about it. I don't know if Big Thunder has been one of them as well. I think it's Splash, Matterhorn. And Everest. Everest, and then yeah. this. And then Big Thunder might be underneath yeah. this. Probably. Not too sure. Yeah, thinking about it, because Big Thunder isn't that big, is it? No. And then, and then coming soon to uh, this land Paris near you, Arendelle. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, the amphitheatre is 6,900 seats with a room for an additional 3,000 people standing. Um, obviously not with social, social distancing, but apparently that doesn't exist. No. <laughs> Surrounding the mountain is a moat filled with 1.9 million gallons of water, which is 7.2 million litres. Uh, the depth of the water varies between 1.5 depth feet deep to a depth of 6 feet deep. Uh, dies in the water keep its depth of mystery to all guests so it looks uniformly deep and you can't see any of the tracks pipes anything running underneath the surface because um, as, as we'll kind of get on underneath the surface you've got gas pipes you've got um, tracks for the boats you've got all sorts going under there it's, it's, it's a jumble sale of different kind of services under there um, over 350 lights are installed for the performance of Phantasmic within the amphitheatre, rising out of the mountain hang- and hanging from the large steel frame over the audience. The lights that are subject to the Florida level have bubbles that sit on top of them in order to protect them from the elements. So similar to if you go to um, like an outdoor concert and they put a bubble over the thing just yeah. to make sure the lights don't get absolutely buggered up. Um, these sophisticated lights, uh, I believe, would be kind of like DMX lights, which can change colour, rotate, focus, um, at the touch of a button, um, which makes the lighting effects. Uh, laser and black lights also used um, to make part of the show. Uh, I imagine they've got huge, huge, huge lighting desks sat in the control room that can, if anything was to go wrong with a pre-scheduled show, they can just control the lights in a quick second and bibbidi yeah. bobbidi boo. So the first run of the Floridian show um, occurred on 15th of October 1998. Um, 
and I suppose you, you said it wasn't until uh, a few years back that you saw yeah, Fantasmic, but do you remember? It been about 10 years after it opened that I first, first saw it. And, and to be honest, I, I don't remember a lot about Disney. I was a, a 14-year-old boy um, when this opened, um, so Disney wasn't really in my vicinity at that point. It was kind of music and, and stuff like that um, that was grabbing my attention. And, and theme park-wise, I probably would have said that I was being more attracted by Universal and stuff like that at that point, especially they were buying at that point the um, the park in Spain. Um, oh, part of Ventura. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that was kind of what was grabbing my attention as a as a not even a theme park fan at that point. So I honestly don't remember um, anything of this this starting. Yeah. I think uh, my my first time seeing it was 2002, um, and I would have been seven, seven, seven. Um, and to be honest, I don't really remember the show itself. I remember that, and we'll get onto it in the end. We we had a few nights cancelled because of the weather, um, but they do still do something, and we'll, we'll get onto our, to that towards the end. Bits of it stuck with me, but then I saw it again ten years later, and yeah, it's just it's always stuck out with me as uh, being one of those kind of shows. So <laughs> you know, um, moving on to the show itself, we're going to look at the time of the original California version, we'll then highlight the difference with the Floridian version, and then obviously, you know, you Paul can then tell us how we yeah. get different show in Tokyo. So we're going to be going yeah. between three different shows here. You have to bear with us here. <laughs> well, it's actually four because there's two versions of Disneyland as well, isn't there? So I'll right, come right. on that as well. <laughs> I'll let you open the bag of So I'll go. I'll go with the original California, the original Florida, and you pick up the new California and new Tokyo. Yeah. And we'll try not to confuse the listener by drawing between yeah. them all. <laughs> so just a just a little kind of before the before the show start. It, Fantasmic runs using the talents of over 75 cast members. 46 perform on stage, wearing over 78 costumes. Those costumes uh, are kept and maintained and prepared by six costuming cast members behind the scenes. Also behind the scenes, a crew of 25 people work hard to make the magic of Fantasmic come alive. These are just the people that do the sound, do the lighting, do the rigging, health and safety, you know, all that blather. It's their job to make sure the equipment is in place. Uh, and running properly. Finally, overseeing performance of three stage managers in two different booths. Performers make their way to the island prior to the show in both cases, about 20 minutes, uh, and all of them remain there in very, very tight quarters, which, you know, now you understand why we're not running Fantasmic at the moment, because you just couldn't. And it's basically, despite the amount of characters we get, it's 46 performers who just change character and just keep going backwards and forth between them so you've got to kind of you've got to have some kind of talent to know like one minute you're um i don't know jafar in the snake and then next minute you're mickey mouse and you know exactly what you're doing yeah. between, you know what i mean yeah uh, definitely although i wonder if actually as a side chat i wonder if they keep the mickey mouse cast members the same because Mickey Mouse isn't... It's very specific, isn't it? And there's only there's only one time, I think, that Mickey Mouse appears in almost two places at the same time. Yeah. 
other than that, it's like it comes on, goes for a bit, comes on. Yeah. So maybe you got yeah, two. And, and that's the, that's the different difference with Tokyo as well. He doesn't. He's not in it that much. He disappears for longer spells. Really? Yeah. And they use the the strains to portray him a little bit more. I wonder if they've got less cast members that, that kind of it's a kind of smaller show yeah to put on then yeah definitely i think that's that probably is the case but yeah he, he does disappear quite a lot because as as i said it's it's on this one like single mountain there's no stage around it or anything yeah they kind of have to swap people out um so i imagine there's something in the bottom where they all wait yeah. <laughs> And then when it's their turn, they go up in the left and they appear at the top. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there must just be a kind of a cast room underneath the lake or something. Yeah. Or in the in the cone, as you call it. Yeah. <laughs> so the show begins with Mickey Mouse being transported into his dream. He dances and orchestrates various water fountains, pyrotechnic projection, laser and lighting effects to the show scene. If you don't know the show swing is. So, Miss Green's rise from the water acting as projection surface for the various scenes from Disney movies. Now, this is the first of the kind of major effects that Imagineers kind of employed for the for the um, for the Fantasmic show. The three Miss Screens are used um, in each se- so that each section of the theatre, in terms of the Floridian one, gets a great view. Fresh water is pumped through the mist nozzles at 800 gallons per minute for each screen. One screen on its own covers 50 feet t- an area 50 feet tall and 100 feet wide. Um, and high definition digital protects us from behind the screens. Display the videos on the mist screen, so it's protected from behind the screens onto it. And then the waters kind of create such an effect, high misting effect, that it just stops the lights there and then. And this was the, the kind of the first introduction of, of those mist screens. They've been used quite regularly since. Um, first of all, Disneyland Paris took them up, didn't they, with their uh, castle shows? Um, oh, did they? Yeah. I know, so, I know it's other mist screens in the in the Disneyland. Yeah, they're, they're they're underneath the um, you know where the dragon is. Yeah. They come up there. Um, they don't use them an awful lot now um, but in the previous incarnation of that nighttime spectacular they were used quite quite regularly um, but then obviously World of Colour took it to a whole another level and mm. basically the whole show is just Miss Grains <laughs> for the most part World of Colour that's not the Epcot one is it now? No that's the one at California Adventure California Adventure yeah yeah uh, I haven't actually seen that show to be honest is that is that the same principle though? Or did, well, I'm assuming that's barges, is it? In the middle of yeah. the. Yeah. They're not permanent installations, I presume. No. Oh no, they might be, because they're probably got. Yeah, no, a lot of them, they're actually underneath the water. Yeah. So they, they come out from, from inside the water. When they drain it, you can see everything is like in the water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the same with the Phantasmic Lake. Um, if you if you drain that, you can see everything in the water. Yeah. It's mad how much they actually put into these. Yeah, well, if you, if you look at Google Earth at the moment, you will find that Fantasmic is drained. 
There you go. So you go can have, have a look now if you want. <laughs> Not until you finish listening to this yeah. now. <laughs> so from the first Miss Green segment, the show then transitions into a jungle scene. So just the Miss Screens are basically used um, to allow the performers to transition from one live action scene to another live action scene without obviously seeing behind them. So it's almost a distraction method uh, and blacks out the stage behind them. Um, So the show transitions into a jungle scene from the Jungle Book featuring a 100 foot long 30 meter puppy of car, which is um, uh, a snake from the Jungle Book. Uh, and three floor barges carrying King Louie and Black Lit Monkeys that debuted in the Tokyo version across the river stage. Um, it's slightly different in Florida in that The Lion King is actually the first um, live action to appear after the first Miss screen. Um, Tokyo, does that? Now this is where one of them, this is one of the bits that I was going to talk about. It actually combines both the Disneyland and the Walt Disney World version. So you have the Jungle Book and the Lion King at the same time. So you get a little bit of I'm the King of the Swingers and then it goes into um, the Lion King. Um, but they're all out on barges at the same time. And a car actually swims in the lake. Oh, really? Yeah. How did they get that to work? Well, this was another thing, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. Um, they had a few of these um, at the other parks that didn't last very long. Um, but when we get into the next segment, I'll, I'll let you into a little secret as to how they do it. All right, there we go. Because I know on this one, it's just basically people underneath the different segments of it. Yeah. Um, another, another tidbit on this, I believe, is if you again look at the google street google images or google maps of phantasmic stage you can see the markings and lines that the cast members use to to track the path of the snake and track where the the stage cues are and stuff like that because obviously they can't see in front of them so they've got to see the line below them um so we move back to California and the Miss Greens reappear to transition and the song transitions into Akuna Matata. The music then uh, segues into a dubstep rendition of probably my favourite Disney songs, Pink Elephants on Parade by Dump from Dumbo, um, which apparently they couldn't put into the new Dumbo, which was a complete utter disappointment, but bloody hell Tim Burton. Um, as anim- animated Pink Elephants appear on screen and found that um, from the performers of the island. The scene then transitions to Friend Like Me from Aladdin, and Sorcerer and Mickey watches the genie perform tricks. Then they go under the sea as they head into the world of Little Mermaid and Finding Nemo. Um, have we got any kind of differences in...? in... Uh, well, the, there's a couple of bits that come up here. Um, in the original Californian one, um, it wasn't actually The Lion King. It was um, one of two Pinocchio sections, and we'll talk about the, the second one in a minute because it still exists. But originally, it was um, got no strings on me, and they had three marionette puppets on the stage. Oh, really? that, yeah, that were about ten foot tall uh, that they lit, and they danced on stage to the song. Um, and apparently, they were still there for a long time. Um, they just didn't use them. Um, 
So yeah, that was that was one of the the little differences that they they've changed with this this second version um, that is now Lion King. Now that I come to think of it now, and because I've or because I've listened to it so much, it's subconscious that when I was writing this, I didn't even pick up on it. But on one of the Disneyland albums, they've actually got the full Fantasmic soundtrack, yeah. which I'm sure you're aware of. So yeah. like. It's one of my always go-to things if I want to listen to something Disney-related. I'll just stick on that because it's got a bit of everything. And yeah, they've got the... Uh, I got no song, come see, come that. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I've never noticed that. Yeah. Ah. So yeah, they used... Uh, and apparently they have put it back in. There's a, a little um, nod to it, a little Easter egg, that they actually have Mickey dressed up as Pinocchio um, on one of the screens. Oh, really? Um, as a marionette. That's great. Through the, through the show. Just, just, just trying, trying to nod back to it. Yeah. yeah. So I presume this, this second bit then is still in. Um, a bubble floats by, and Jiminy Cricket uh, appears on screen, searching for underwater Pinocchio. Uh, an animated monstro appears suddenly, accompanied by a heavy musical star, um, as he crashes through the water. Uh, the scene morphs into the Sorcerer's Apprentice uh, flood scene, which is um, the scene with the um, buckets, the, the brooms carrying the buckets. Have you ever seen the Sorcerer's Apprentice? Yeah. As Mickey looks around in the dark and asks, What's going on? A ship caught in a storm appears. Um, Captain Barbosa then appears on the mist screens prior to the next live action segment. Is that was that? Nah, the original one's different to that, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's the new version. So the original one was Peter Pan. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a, again, there's a few bits. The the Little Mermaid bit had some extra bits, and this is where I'm I'm going to touch on what we were just talking about with Car in Tokyo. Um, originally, they had a giant blow up Ursula as part of the show. Oh, really? Um, that used to malfunction quite regularly. Um, she'd deflate, she'd tear, um, and eventually they left her to rot on the sides of the river, rivers of America. She stayed there for apparently about 10 years um, and eventually rotted away. Um, but the bit with Carl, when they couldn't get Ursula to work, they actually built Flotsam and Jetsam to go around on the lake. Really? Um, and they were driven by jet skis. Ah, so that's how I'm guessing they do car now. Um, remote, is, it, is it remote control? Get jetsies are. Yes, this was the problem. Um, it used to crash into the <laughs> stage. Um, it was either that, um, and eventually they got rid of it because it capsized. Oh Jesus! While they were while people were watching it, so eventually they got rid of them as well. Um, they seem to have fixed car that he works, but uh, yeah, and then obviously, as you say, we go into um, what used to be Peter Pan um, and was changed when they reintroduced it a few years ago to Pirates of the Caribbean. I resent that a little bit. I like Peter Pan, prefer I Peter Pan over Pirates of the Caribbean, to be honest. But, but for me, you've, you've got to remember where this is held. It's Phantasmic is literally opposite the entrance to Pirates of the Caribbean. This is very true, isn't it? 
Like literally, you could walk out of Pirates of the Caribbean and watch Phantasma. Uh, yeah, and at least at least the Florida version, which we'll touch on in a second, still has holds a little bit kind of a a traditional uh, IP rather than cashing in on Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. So we'll jump into that. So going back to the Californian version, the canon inspired from the sailing ship Columbia portraying the Black Pearl from the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Jack Elizabeth Swan and other pirates participate in the stunt sequence. The scene ends with fountains looking like explosions and a cannon fired from the sailing ship Columbia. In early incarnations, the Columbia served as Captain Hook's pirate ship, so this is a ship they've actually got on site that fires the cannons. Uh, as the scene concludes, Mickey paints the moon with silhouettes uh, of a Peter Pan and the diamonds flying over it. Now, Going to the Floridian, Floridian version, rather than the Pirates of the Caribbean segment, um, there it transitions into a scene from Pocahontas, where Governor Ratcliffe and his fellow Englishmen fight against the Native Americans, followed by John Smith. As John Smith climbs to the very top of the mountain, a Native war- American warrior moves to strike Smith when Pocahontas appears. Colors of the Wind plays out uh, on the scene screens, and if you look online, there's a great common goof in this where John Smith, so he, he, he stood at kind of one side of the stage at the top of the mountain and he has to swing over and there's some kind of steps on the mountain, but they, they don't look very easy to land on, to be honest, because it's like little wooden planks sticking out the mountain. Yeah. And he's got to swing across and land on them. And it seems to be a common theme that he misses this step and just goes kind of, swings back on himself and just laying like holding on to it until the blackout for the next miss screens he swings better than the pirate does in Pirates of the Caribbean in Paris it's He's that bad you've possibly not even seen it because <laughs> it doesn't work most of the time I don't mind I've been on that loads of times enough. whereabouts in Pirates of the Caribbean is that uh, it's quite early on um, when you first get into that that first scene, um, he normally he's he's normally I'm sure he's got like a knife in his mouth and he's yes. above you. Yeah, yeah. But most of the time, he started to work again when they did the refurb a couple of years ago. But by the time I went back again the year after, um, it wasn't working again. <laughs> and that's why you need to do your plusing rule all the time. Yeah. Plusing, plusing, plusing. Uh, back to the California myth screens. Mickey's sorcerer's hat is painted on the myth screen and the hat turns to the clouds as Aladdin and Jasmine are on a physical magic carpet flying through the clouds while a rendition of A Whole New World plays. The carpet then fades away and three small barges arrive in carrying Belle and the Beast, Ariel and Prince Eric, and Rapunzel and Flynn Rider with the accompanying signature melody of each film, i.e. Beauty and the Beast, Part of Your Worlds, I See the Light. Um, which is basically the princess segment. I don't know if that happens in Tokyo, but it's pretty standard in... Yeah, I think so. This is, again, this is where one of the changes has happened. Um, So the original Fantasmic in California obviously wasn't uh, Rapunzel and Flynn because they didn't exist at that point. Um, So it was actually Snow White and her prince that were there originally. Um, And they've they've removed them and, and put in Flynn and Rapunzel. Considering the next scene that we're about to jump on to, 
Yeah. Why would you remove Snow White? Because you're about to have Snow White's counterpart. Yeah. That seems completely like, and you still got. I suppose the Little Mermaid is the Little Mermaid. It's modern enough. Yeah. They basically just taken away the two older princesses, haven't they? Really. Yeah. I mean, well, they never had Cinderella. I don't think. But yeah, Snow White is probably one of the older ones. Unless they give her a reboot, she's probably never going to appear again. Yeah. Oh, Snow White. I never should do, did she do wrong. Anyway, Snow White's evil queen appears on stage with her cauldron as Mickey's dream takes a turn for the worse. She summons the magic mirror through the force of the mist screen, so the mist screen appears, and that horrible, haggard magic mirror appears on it. Um and tells her in Mickey's imagination beauty and love will always supply it. At this point she casts a spell at her cauldron. A magic spell in the black of night with a scream of fright and a bolt of light turn my hair to Um, the spell transforms her into an old hag, similar to the disguise she used to tempt Snow White into biting into a cursed apple. Now, I actually had to do a lot of research on this because I couldn't remember which one was which in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I always get confused between Snow White and Sleeping Beauty, so... Now, this scene doesn't always go to plan, and the trapdoor the Queen uses to transform doesn't always work. So the cast member playing the Queen actually wears a white wig under her crown to ensure that the show can go on. Sometimes you don't get the whole haggard effect. Yeah, you just literally I, flips her hair and I've seen versions of it where it's it's not worked. In um, person or on video? No, not in person. I've, I've seen them on on internet. On interweb. Um, um, but yeah, it, it's not a regular thing, and we'll we'll go into a few of the others where things haven't worked as well shortly. Do you know what? After I've looked, after I've seen all these, I think um, it's a You'll little be disappointed bit... if it doesn't. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. It's a little bit like when you're a roller coaster enthusiast and everyone's like, oh, I hope we're safe, and you're just praying for a rollback or you're praying for like the hill, the hill lift to stop or something. You oh, just want so good. On a dark ride and it breaks down and you have to walk out. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's just like, oh, I've got to walk out. I missed that ride yet. Walk out, taking photos of everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and to this day, I think I've only have had one walk out on a ride. I've not had one. I've never had anything break down on me that's been enough that they haven't got it started again. And I did a walk on Valhalla in Blackpool once. That was great. It was only on like the first lift hill though, so I couldn't see anything. Yeah. I literally walked down the lift hill and walked back out like it was ridiculous. The Evil Queen disguised as a old hag calls all the villains to partake in Mickey's nightmare, invoking a riled Ursula who joins the Queen's plot to destroy Mickey. Ursula calls upon Chernobog, who summons the deceased spirits. Now, before we move on to the Californian Chernobog, this is where a huge difference appears between the Californian and the Floridian shows, and we'll, we'll obviously talk about how it kind of goes into the Tokyo shows as well. In the Floridian shows, the Queen appears and concocts a spell amidst pyrotechnics and other special effects. 
and turns, in, turns herself into a hag much similar to the California counterpart. But in this show, she invokes the help of Ursula, Cruella Deville, Scar, Frollo, and Jafar. Jafar uses magic to send Mickey to the Cave of Wonders. After escaping a wave of lava, Mickey encounters Jafar, who transforms himself into a giant snake. And this is happening like in live action now. It moves into a live action giant snake. So much similar to the concept of car that we spoke about earlier, where it's um, it's like a, a 30 meter long snake which has people kind of walking underneath it and big yeah. glowing eyes and everything like that. So, so I actually have to say, I think I prefer car. I think it's a better designed snake. I yeah, it looks better. You prefer car? Yeah. It looks more like the character from the from the film. Yeah, I guess so. Because 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 um, Jafar's a, a cobra, isn't he? Yeah. I haven't really got the cobra down properly, have they? No. It just looks like an angry snake. Yeah. I think I think the concept of it though, I I would prefer Jafar because like the whole laser eyes, it's like it's searching yeah. him out, and I, I like that. Yeah. It's a bit more intimidating, but yeah, I agree. The design of it is. They basically just taken car and repainted car. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, they haven't got the cobra down. So seeing a magic lamp, um, Mickey rubs it, assuming it will help. Unfortunately, Jafar is return- transformed into a genie and calls upon Hades, the best villain. What? Okay, fine, fine, I'm cool, I'm fine. Who laments on how noble Mickey's thoughts are before he calls Chernobog, who summons the spirits from the dead. So before we move into Chernobog uh, and the big finale, do you want to kind of talk us through how kind of Tokyo differs from this? Um, yeah, to be fair, it's it's fairly similar. Um, there's not much change, as I said. It's a lot of it is just played out on on screens rather than there being lots of of characters around. Um, so yeah, you get the um, I think you get the the mirror um, makes his appearance. Um, it's actually very clever because it combines um, the mirror and what we will talk about in a in a moment um, comes from the same float and from the same basically same operation. Um, oh, yeah, so it's it's quite clever. But the mirror's live action, is it? No, the mirror's um, it's on one of the floats. It's floating around and they they bring it up, so it's laying on the on the float. Oh, right. Really? Yeah. time they literally the mirror is like full size and then oh, the, right. the face appears on the on the the appliance that they brought up um, and then the dragon appears through the mirror is the dragon live action is it or is it a screen yeah. Yeah, oh right so they, they, um, they drop the screen and the dragon comes out of it oh Jesus that's mad and the mirror is kind of around its neck that's mad. That just sounds oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you've, you've hinted upon it there. Chernobog and... So we're going to have to push up here on, on Disney villains before going here. Maleficent is Sleeping Beauty. Yes. Chernobog is Fantasmic. Fantasia. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, out of a fight between Chernobog and Maleficent, <laughs> Who are we going for the winner? A, a, a dragon and a, and a demon walk into a bar. 
I'm, I'm, I've got my money on Schoenberg here. Yeah, I have as well. Um, <laughs> you won't be able to say, but I'm actually drinking from a... Ah, uh, oh, it's a Fantasia, Fantasia book. It is one of my favourite films. So I would go with the Schoenberg as well. I think I might have only seen it once or twice. Um, which I know how you're going to be lamenting me for that, but... Um, it's one of those ones that that doesn't get a lot of love um, because of what it is. It's it's very different to a lot of other things that that Walt produced. It was a masterpiece. Um, yeah, it really is how they put it together. It's it's ridiculously complicated. Hmm. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah well, the Shona, the Shona Bog is from uh, Night on Bald Mountain in uh, Fantasia. There we go. So, uh, and we've got our money on Schoenberg to beat Maleficent. Yeah. So, which one makes you wonder why Schoenberg just didn't do the, the job himself, to be honest? Like, but... Gets one of his minions to do it. Gets <laughs> one of his minions. <laughs> Gets one of his Maleficents. Who, so Maleficent um, threatens Sorcerer and Mickey as she transforms herself into an enormous dragon. Now, we're back into live action here, and if you've never seen this, it's quite a spectacle as this. Um, the Maleficent dragon is 50 foot tall with a 50 foot wind span um, she spits fire into the moat and a steamy type effect is made from her mouth that is actually made using nothing more than coffee cream <laughs> um, I believe that um, I'm not sure if the, all, the, all the, the effects are the same but the way they use the effect of fire on water is all the, they've got loads of gas lines underneath the, the water yeah. that kind of bubble up gas. Yeah, well... Put the ignition across the water. California's a very different beast when it comes to Maleficent, because Maleficent is actually free-moving in California. She actually comes out onto the stage. Oh, so is it similar to the Disney Paris one? It's in a, in a style, yes, but it, it's what you expect it to look like from the film. It's not like a steampunk. Okay. Version. It's actually what you'd expect from the film. Um, but yeah, she is free roaming. They, they she... bring her out onto the stage. Because I know that I know that it's all based around the the Tom Sawyer kind of cottage. Yeah. So she kind of comes out from the side of it, doesn't she? Yeah. Uh, and they have the battle kind of side on from yeah. in front of the cottage then. And she still kind of sets fire to the water and everything like that. So it's yeah. a similar effect of firing the gas up and yeah, like that. but it, it does it all it, rather than because I know um, the one at Walt Disney World actually breathes some fire out into the into the lake, um, but this one doesn't at all because of what it is. Um, yeah, yeah. Because someone's basically driving it. Um, oh, so they haven't got the same effect that they have in Paris where it actually breathed the fire? No, not, not in that way. And then sets um, fire to itself and then... Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they are, are different, whereas the, the Walt Disney World Maleficent obviously just towers over the stage and comes out above the mountain, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's is not connected. There's no one driving it or anything. It's all, all worked from the control tower and sometimes that doesn't work yeah and what happens if it doesn't work we can't just turn around and go actually we're just going to breathe fire and uh, going to finish the show without a dragon so at the flip this is this is why the show directors on this is so good some people think that 
phantasmic is just hit a button and just let it run. When actually yeah. these show directors have to make split second decisions to go, right, sometimes they know it's not going to work in advance, but sometimes like, right, we need to quicker change this. Um, so in this case, if Maleficent doesn't wake up uh, and is a little bit like the dragon underneath the, the Sleeping Beauty castle and just won't wake up, um, Maleficent herself, the witch, uh, ends up, uh, rises up on a rock and shoots fire at the same place as on the lake that the dragon would. So it's like, it's all triggered the same, but yeah. with a different kind of application of it. Yeah, um, literally what happens is, because part of the show is she does go up on that rock, doesn't she? And then they drop the lights. Yeah. And she goes back down. If everything's working, then the dragon appears. If the dragon doesn't appear, she will stay up on that rock. That rock will stay there and she won't move and she will have to do the fight from up there. So they, they must all be trained for that kind of... But yeah. then again, I suppose it's just a little bit of waving and a... Yeah. Not like the, the choreography like thing that she has to do is that. Yeah. Yeah. Spam a flash of light. Uh, has yeah. to do as, long, as long as she knows where the fire's coming from, she'll be fine. <laughs> fire, fire's, fire's mystical anyway, it can come from anyway. Yeah. Um, it should also be noted that ready to use specialty fire extinguishing equipment is on hand for each performance in case uh, Maleficent gets a little bit out of hand uh, and gets out of control. Something Maleficent could have used uh, on parade at Disneyland Paris when it decided to set fire to itself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how quickly they extinguished that one, but um, yeah. <laughs> so following Mickey's victory, Tinkerbell then appears. The Mark Twain riverboat approaches with fireworks, and the black and white Mickey from Steamboat Willie, or Steamboat Mickey. Uh, th- this div- this differs from the Floridian version, as it's actually the Steamboat Willie boat that appears rather than the Mark Twain riverboat. Um, an array of characters appear on the boat for the final finale, waving cloth on the boat, um, where actually, if you look again online, quite serious, but it's slightly funny incident occurred uh, where one of the characters fell in the Floridian version, fell from the um, top deck of the Steamboat Willie boat to the bottom deck onto another character it made it even worse that it was actually Dopey that fell on Goofy. Just can't like. You couldn't have, couldn't have picked any two better characters, could you really? <laughs> to pull something like that. Um, I was actually watching it back, and they think that what might have happened is usually during shows, uh, I think it's Grumpy is in front of Dopey, and Grumpy usually turns around and either said something or done something with Dopey. And then they kind of go on and trot off and stuff like that. In this occasion, it didn't happen. So I don't know whether he kind of like, the grumpy kind of turns around and goes, watch out for that step or something. I'll just kind of remind him that there's a step there and he's just yeah. gone through. But since then, they've installed a larger kick plate to ensure that it doesn't happen again. But it had to be dopey and goofy. Yeah. <laughs> um, if the bolts are out of order or don't work in some way and this has happened this was actually triggered recently in California where the Mark Twain riverboat was out of service because I think that set fire to itself did it? Yeah I think it's engine caught fire yeah. I remember rightly. the characters come out on stage and do a similar waving waving cloths and doing stuff like that um, apparently it's been noted that in the California one 
it holds the same as the, the characters on the boat. But if you watch the Floridian version, when they come out and they do like the, the waving thing on the stage, it's a bit crap, I've heard. See, I didn't even know this existed, so that's I just assumed if it didn't work, we just didn't get the characters, that you'd just get Mickey and that'd be it. So that's that's quite good that there is a replacement for it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a bit of an anti-climax though if it comes out in the Florida one because yeah. apparently they just don't look like they want to be there. Yeah, well, you expect <laughs> it to be on the boat, don't you? And uh, and as you say, it is specifically built for for Florida. It's the proper boat. It's not. Yeah. It's not yeah. like it's just a, a fill-in for the for the boat. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it could could be quite downhearted to see, see them all just kind of standing on the stage, waving like. Cheerio. We all uh, float down here. <laughs> <laughs> so the boats then disappear for Mickey to then appear again to conduct a final set of fireworks and water fountains before leaving in a bright blast of fireworks. Now, you'll know that the Floridian version, the moat essentially surrounds the mountain sets like we spoke about earlier. And when the steamboat Willy boat goes around the back of the mountain, the cast members obviously leave the boat to find a safe place for the fireworks to go off. Um, if you've ever watched it, and you look at the characters on there, and you look at the back of the boat, um, there's, there's one character on there um, that doesn't have any legs. Ariel. So what yeah. did they do? Did they hoist her off? Did they, um, Does she slip out of a costume? Does she... What does she do to get off the boat to make herself safe? Um, none of those. <laughs> they put a fireproof blanket over her until the fireworks have, have gone off, and then they remove her from the stage after the fireworks. Oh. <laughs> Poor Ariel. All by herself again. <laughs> she could never be part of the world. Um, yeah, imagine the health and safety on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I, so we're just going to leave you here. Been, I wouldn't want to have been involved in that. <laughs> Explaining that one of our cast members gets wrapped up in a fireproof blanket in case she gets set alight by a firework. <laughs> What's the risk on that? Well, I guess it's a low because she's got a fireproof blanket on now. So yeah, What's fine. the worst that could happen? So we all know this... We all know how this ends in the Floridian version of Fantasmic. Mickey appears at the top of the mountain, then it magically appears at the bottom of the mountain and says this famous line. Some imagination, huh? <laughs> well, there's actually two different lifts in the Floridian version used by Mickey in the show. And both are very high-tech enough to notice, to, to notice that if Mickey isn't locked in place before the lift goes off, the lift won't go off. Um, so it's, it's very kind of high-tech in there. Also, if one lift fails and Mickey can't go to the top of the mountain or can't appear at the bottom, again, the show's director will quickly switch it, so you'll never know. Either Mickey won't ever be at the top of the mountain or Mickey won't ever be at the bottom. So I'm sure the last time I saw it, I don't think he managed to get back to the top. I think he had to do it all from the bottom. Yeah, I think I'd prefer him to stay at the top, to be honest. Yeah, so I think I think it's it's better because because at the end it's the the blast comes out of where he stood at the top, aren't they? So yeah, yeah, I think I prefer him to stay at the top, but oh hum. So, I guess what happens when the Florida weather is crazy, um, and it happened to me quite a few times. 
Um, well, in Florida, there's a four-minute substitute that plays in inclement weather, um, which prohibits the presentation of a regular show. So the alternative show where the where the performers and floaters and puppets can't can't go because the stage would be slippy or the water might be too turbulent. Um, it's a brief summary of the show, including fountain displays synchronized to Little April showers, which is obviously Bambi. A sequence integrating Night on the Bald Mountain, which is obviously what Chernobyl is from, like you mentioned. Um, and a final orchestrated with all the usual pyrotechnics and musical fanfare and the original show's conclusion. Which did you ever manage to see that? I've I've not seen that. I've I've been very lucky in that I've had no real bad weather when we've been in Florida. Um, we had. The, the last time we went as a family, I was running the one dying half marathon and it chucked it down for the whole race. Um, but actually during the day, the whole trip, we had no rain at all. Um, and again, last time I went with uh, Craig and Nick um, from some of our other shows, um, it rained on our way to Halloween Horror Nights and that was it. it that's all the rain I've had, so I've been really lucky. <laughs> I envy you so much. <laughs> I remember the last time we last time we went, we had about three nights where they had to do had to do this alternative show because sometimes you kind of be over in like Epcot or something. You go specially over to Hollywood Studios just for this at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, like, and then you get this 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 uh, anti climax of a show. Yeah, like, you've had your show now. You've had your four minute show now. Go on, leave. Yeah. Um. I'm, uh, if anyone's kind of picked up, I'm um, very uh, critical um, at times. Um, and even if you've got me on social media, I'm very critical at times of how Disney operates as a company. I think they're, um, they've moved into a very money-grabbing way of thinking. Um, and yep, they've got overheads, but yeah, that's, that's what I think of Disney. Um, for this particular performance, um, it cost them a staggering $30,000 to run one performance of Phantasm. It still doesn't warrant the amount of money, charging ridiculous amount of money for Disney Sea, but like, that's a lot of money, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and considering some nights they do two performances, or have been known to, they have, uh, it's not very regular, but I think in the, the height of the season they do do a couple of nights. I don't know that. Yeah, like, so I think normally like half past, half past seven or eight o'clock, and then there's another one at like ten o'clock. Because that's sixty thousand euro that they're just blown there. Yeah. Just one that, or oh, sixty thousand dollars even. Sorry, not euro. Yeah. Um, and you, you kind of makes sense why like we all whinge and moan. Why don't you get that at Disneyland Paris? You know, I don't think I think that probably bankrupt the park and won't yeah. perform. <laughs> And there's, there's still me hoping that we get a version of it in the new lake at the studios. We, we haven't even got, like, we've still got a big billboard over where the Star Wars bloody Galaxy's yeah. Edge are meant to be at the moment. Um, so all we're getting at the moment is an industrial park uh, and a bit of Arendelle. So um, that concludes a trip into the light and dark of the Mickey's imagination. So kind of with everything that's gone into it and obviously you've seen it and everything like that um, I guess what would be your favourite version of the show and yeah 
Yeah, definitely my favourite version. I've not actually seen the one in California personally, um, though I've been to, to Disneyland a few times. Um, we've never stayed into the evening because we've always stayed in, in North Hollywood. Um, so we've always travelled during the day and, and not driven, so we were always on public transport. So we've never actually stayed for the evening at, at Disneyland yet. Um, but even having watched them today, Walt Disney World is still my favourite. Um, there's a couple of bits that I would change. I'm still not a massive fan of the Pocahontas section. Um, just because it's not one of my favourite films. It's not one of those ones. It's probably the one out of that era that I could probably not watch. Maybe Mulan as well. I'm not a massive fan of either. Um, but yeah, I'd change that up. And as I said, I prefer Car over over Jafar. But other than that, yeah, the, the Walt Disney World one will always hold a close place in my heart because it was like the first Disney magic I experienced um, and will always go whenever yeah. I'm there I will I will try to make sure I did it did uh, Fantasmic I missed it the last time because we were at Universal we did a day at Hollywood Studios but didn't actually stay for the evening because we had Halloween Horror Nights so it felt kind of weird to be leaving the park before the sun had gone down <laughs> and, and not seeing Fantasmic um, yeah so I can't wait to get back in, in October, hopefully, and, and get to experience it again. And, and my little boy, he's, he's eight, he's not seen it yet, um, but knows it, having watched it with me so many times on YouTube over the, over the years. Um, he was only 18 months old the last time he went, so um, he's looking forward to seeing that. So I'm looking forward to sharing the experience with him. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. The, um, the, my, my little lad's the same. He's a... Uh... He's kind of growing up with the whole, uh, he's, he's a bit younger, but he's kind of growing up with the YouTube and can't wait for him to see it because it's just it's something else. Um, and I'd, I'd agree, the Florida, Floridian version, you know, like I've watched them. Floridian version I've seen in person, I love it. Um, probably wouldn't change the Pocahontas. Um, I can't believe you don't like Mulan. Dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. <laughs> dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. <laughs> Shocking. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I'd agree, and it's definitely. I think, I actually think personally, this is the benchmark that Disney have to hit for any show, um, and then we get Disney Illuminations, which is the worst of the worst. Although yeah. I don't mind that, to be honest. So I, I have to be honest. I'm not a massive castle fireworks show kind of guy, anyway, or parade guy. In in that case either um, but yeah Fantasmic obviously is different um, I like the fact that it's, it, it kind of entails a story and a, and a story that I like um, so it, it is different in, in that case for me and, and I get the feeling I'd probably feel the same if I see World of Colour as well um, I'm looking forward to getting back to California at some point in the next few years and experiencing that for the first time um, but yeah, Fantasmic definitely is, for me, the be-all and end-all when it comes to evening spectaculars with Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thanks very much for joining me again on this episode. Um, yeah. Before we go, is there anywhere that listeners can reach you? Um, yeah. Um, if they want to ask about any questions? Probably the best place to, to catch me is uh, on Instagram. Um Magical Kingdom of Walt. Uh, I've been on there for a long time. Or, or drop into the 
official After Dark Podcast Army group on Facebook. Um, it's probably the best place. I know you post in there as well, Jamie. I do indeed. Um, so that's the that's probably the, the easiest place to find me is is on there as I'm one of the admins on on that group for the for the podcast network. Yep, drop into there. Ask us any questions you want about the behind the scenes. Um, if you want to contact me on Twitter, it's J underscore mate underscore J. I mainly tweet Disney and football, but like, ask me a question. Um, ask for any attractions that you want us to cover. Um, and we can we can look at them and, and, and pull away the go away green on some of your favourite attractions yeah, rather than just doing our ones. You want to you learn about that we don't know a lot about. So we, we will be learning as well. Certainly the Asian parks are going to gonna stump us a little bit, I think, because neither of us have been been out there yet no and I think I think I had it queued up um, to look at the Beauty and the Beast one because that just looks phenomenal yeah um, but these will all be interesting ventures um, there's a lot of good stuff happening in the parks and there's a lot of people a lot of magic to be pulled back so get in touch with us um, and yeah ask us whatever you want and ask us to cover attractions okay thank you very much cheers bye This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.